0: Welcome back ladies and gents, sit down for the count I am your girl Tiffany E And on behalf of Alexis and Nicole Welcome back to the show So it is Black History Month And we try every week to give you guys a bonus episode With nothing but black history And we're going to continue to highlight Three wrestlers in this month And three black wrestlers That have contributed to wrestling That we wanted to honor So we got some from the past And we got some from the present And we're going to give you guys all of the tea On our faves So if you're ready to listen to that And so much more. Get ready, because Down for the Count starts right now. Okay, so it's Black History Month, and we're going to try every week to try to highlight some wrestlers, some from the past and some from the present. And um, each one of us is going to pick one, and we're just going to give you guys some highlights about them and tell you about some of their lives and the struggles they had as um, wrestlers. So I chose a wrestler from the past. And I chose Susie Mae McCoy, and her ring name was Sweet Georgia Brown. And she was the first African-American women's champion. She started wrestling at 19 with Fabulous Moolah. Um, She was the one in the documentary for Vice with um, the dark side of wrestling. They were talking about her. Um, She debuted when she was 20 in 1958, and it was very difficult for her because of her race. She lived in fear just about every day. She had to ride in the trunk of the cars or underneath the bus seats when they would travel by bus. It's because the Klansmen would stop the buses and cars and check and see if they had African Americans in the car. Um, oh. I am, it was real. So... There were KKK and there were other extremists who didn't necessarily identify with the KKK, but just extremists, period, who didn't appreciate Georgia Brown being a wrestler, and they would taunt her and throw things at her and call her names. Now, this part of the story is alleged, but allegedly Mula and Buddy Lee, which was Mula's husband at the time, were taking advantage of Sweet Georgia Brown, as well as several other female wrestlers and there's a lot of things being thrown around about Mula with sexual assault pimping and really just thieving money from them at the bare minimum Mula took 25 percent from these ladies and their earnings and sometimes she would take even more so the wrestlers barely had enough money to live you know off of and the thing with sweet georgia brown was that She was being sexually assaulted, allegedly, by Buddy Lee. And she was always getting pregnant and coming home being pregnant by him. And when Mula found out, she was cast out. Um, It's alleged, so I can't confirm or deny it, but her children say that it's true, and so does her sister. Um, In 1965, she beat Nell Stewart for the NWA Texas Women's title and that let her become the first African American woman to win a singles title Um, she ended up retiring in 1972 and she passed away in 1989
1: at the age of 51 um fuck Mula. I hope she's rotting in hell right now
0: (sighs) She didn't do very well. She's not the greatest lady in the world, but I I still have to say alleged because I don't know if it's true or not. So
2: yeah,
1: I feel I feel so bad for like anybody who had to deal with Mula, especially. She had to hide in trunks and under bus
0: seats, but that was because she was African American, and they were yeah. very high on her. She wrestled just like the other girls, but she was one of the best they had. But because she was Black, she couldn't leave the house with them and walk around with them. They were in the South. And in Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, no, that was not okay. A Black woman in a car with a bunch of white people, if you weren't taking them to be lynched, then there was a problem. So she had to hide in order to be safe after shows. They had to put her, hide her or take her out in the back so she would be safe. She's not the only one. There are a lot of other wrestlers who had to do the very same thing just so they can be able to do what they love
1: doing. Wow. That's a tough lady right there. Um, So I think we just found our bad bitch of the week, ladies. <laughs> Yep, that's a title for you. Sweet Georgia Brown is the bad bitch
0: of the week.
1: (laughs) Alright, Nicole, who do you have?
2: So, again, I'm picking someone who's a familiar, but not a lot of people know a lot of his, like, full backstory. And that is Ron Killings, a.k.a.
1: R-Truth. R-Truth. Mm-hmm.
2: so our truth obviously has been in the game for about 20 years now a little bit plus um 48 years old so he's also won the he is the oldest full-time member on wwe's wrestling um staff um well, hold that
1: off truth is, truth is 48? Mm-hmm. He 48 he's 48. Don't he look good for forty eight though? You yeah, for I hope I look as good as he does when I'm forty eight. Damn. Damn good. Uh, Sorry. but just to give a little um
2: background, so um originally how um uh, truth or killings, which I'll call him, um, start off. He had a little bit of a rough life, um especially in his late, late teens, early twenties. Um he was hustling um in the street um would sell cocaine tried to be selling cocaine for extra income along with um hip hop dancing to also make um extra money mm. and he also um not only was he really um but and before he started wrestling, he also had a pretty good career in high school as um a football um playing football which he actually played um, alongside with um, future baseball player Ray Durnham. I can never say his last name right. Also did track and field and all things. So literally almost right when he got out of school, he got busted out of high school. He got busted um, selling drugs and he ended up being put in jail in, for 13 months and that incident triggered him going into a halfway house and halfway house is how he met his mentor and that's how he started training and his career as a professional wrestler Hmm. and Hmm. it's been from TNA to everywhere else since then so obviously everyone knows a little bit more about how he, um, where he is now, but I just want to go give a little bit background of what all he did before his pre-WWE days, especially with what all he went through to get to where he is now.
0: That's actually really cool, though, that he was able to change his life around like that. Most guys don't do that. They go right back to doing what they were doing. So... My Especially
2: respect. for being in jail that long, 'cause that's a year. Years mm-hmm. can change, and not including going in a halfway house afterwards.
0: Got no. mad respect for him. Can't can't deny that. No.
1: Um, who doesn't love our truth? If you don't love our truth, are you even really human? <laughs> I just want to know. Alright, so my pick is what the kids may not know him for now, but I picked Ron Simmons. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I love him as Farouk in the WWE for our younger people. He's the guy who shows up and yells, damn. Um, but <laughs> he a little bit more to him. And of course, I always do that thing I do where I write down way too much. Um, so, uh, Ron Simmons, he is more known as the first ever black WCW heavyweight champion. He actually, that's a very cool story. He actually won that at a house show. Um, Sting was supposed to wrestle Vader until Jake Roberts kayfabe injured Sting at the show. So Bill Watts, who was the president of WCW at the time held a raffle to face Vader, which Simmons won, and um, he won it. He held the title for five months before dropping it back to Vader. Um, WCW did him so dirty, but before he was in WCW, he was a uh, college football player. He played for Florida State University. He was, uh, that's the Florida Seminoles, Florida State University, FSU. Um, his jersey is, his jersey is retired at FSU. It was the third time that a college jersey had ever been retired. He did go, he did go pro. He did go pro. Um, in 1981, he played, uh, in 1981, <laughs> he played for the Cleveland Browns. So I know you and Nicole and Tiff are freaking out about that. Um, oh played, yeah, my dad has like, his jersey. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, he I played for that. the Browns. I think he was defensive tight end. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I don't understand yes. football, games, so I don't want to be sitting here trying to say he was a big dude. So I'm pretty sure they used him to hit people. So um, he played in the He's United. He's defensive States. end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Um, he played with the, he played for the United, very short-lived United States Football League. He played for actually my hometown team, the Tampa Bay Bandits, and then he also played in the Calgary Football League and other Canadian football leagues as well. Um, of course, I did that thing where I basically wrote his entire history down. <laughs> um, but Ronson, Sim- I mean, that was his big thing is that um, he was. Florida, he was the first ever Florida, or he was the NWA Florida champion. He won that on December 2nd, 1986. So he won that before the WCW title. Um, it's hard to believe in that time in the 80s, black wrestlers were still getting hated on. Like, I can't understand for the life, it was the fucking 1980s. Like, we were on the it was 89, so we were on the, or no, it was in 92, but he still got treated shit like shit in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, he used that as like, cause that's still the old guard. Like, you know, the guys that we call the, the old, old guard, that's who was running the place. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, black athletes are still looked down in pro wrestling, which is funny because when you look now, black athletes are the ones that are in the highest demand i showed a clip of sunny kiss to somebody who never watched aew and i said you got to look at this guy named sunny kiss and i showed him a minute clip of sunny kiss doing his thing and he's like i need to see this guy more often like he was so entranced by the way he the way he did his his stuff um he's a very decorative football player he's very decorative He's in the hall. He got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2012. Um, he still makes appearances inside and outside the WWE. And cool thing I've noticed: um, every time he won a tag title, he won it with Bradshaw. Um, and for all you kids out there, they were, you know, they formed one of the best tag teams WWE has ever seen: Fight me the Acolytes or the APA mm-hmm. Acolyte <laughs> so, yes. one of the best tag teams ever in WWE you can fight me and uh, he's he's just it's hard to believe I remember so he was actually one of the founding members of the Nation of Domination now this is he gonna was. go old I remember oh. when Nation of Domination came out and it he they said it you know it was a mix of the Muslim you know, Muslim and Black uh, Black Panther Party.
2: Mm-hmm. Nation of Islam.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. It's getting late. My brain's going dead. Um. Not trying to. Nation of Islam and Black Panther Party. I remember when they came out. It scared the crap out of every single white person I knew who watched wrestling. Like the people who were into it, they understood it, but like their parents or people who weren't in on it they were scared to death of these guys like the pearl cut pearl clutching Republicans and they're you know oh it's this, it's this it's what we feared honey they're they're rising up against us and I loved it I fucking lived for it to be honest with you I'm just like they are making these white people so fucking uncomfortable and I am here for it like keep coming <laughs> you know? like anything that I can see like When I'm over at my super religious cousin's house and we're watching wrestling and I see them flinch to the point that one that their dad has to leave the room because he's that uncomfortable watching, you know, these these black men come out and basically say, we are not putting up with your bullshit anymore. This is like we're running this place to see him get so uncomfortable made me laugh so hard. I was never allowed over at my cousin's house ever again to watch wrestling, which I was okay with but <laughs> like just watching that and knowing like even in 1992, he, he, he said, or, you know, people have said that like, in 92, the idea of a black champion was so foreign. And I chose Ron because we're coming up on the, you know, one year work, Kofi won the title and, It's just crazy that it's taken from 1992 to 2019 for another Black athlete, Black distinguished athlete, to win a World Heavyweight title. And Mm. that blows my mind. Mm. That is recognized by the WWE. Because I know we've had people like Jay Lethal and everything, but I'm talking... And WWE standards. If, and I'm just saying that because WCW has been absorbed into WWE, and a lot of people are like, "What about The Rock?" Well, no offense to The Rock, but he's also Samoan. They never played up on his other side. They always like, "Oh, he's Samoan, Samoan, Samoan dynasty." They never mentioned he, he was mixed race. I didn't know he was mixed until later on, when his I when mean- I start, you know. Well, when the internet became more of a thing, and I'm like, oh, he's Samoan and black. Okay, cool. Went about my business. But, you know, yeah. it, took, but it took that long in the WWE for a, a black champion. And his reign was five months. I know Kofi, I think Kofi beat him a little bit. But the fact that it's taken this long for that to happen again it's it's very sad to me yeah shitty. he's a tough dude too so whatever you do don't do not piss Ron Simmons off because he will beat the shit out of you too <laughs> alright everybody thank you so much for enjoying our show we are going to put the top five next week next week we will have the special guest uh, Russell Shay. check him out on Instagram you will die laughing he, he will put you in a good mood if you're having a bad day. Just he's hilarious. Um, we're actually going to do two top five. We're going to do the uh, top five wrestlers who never got the flower, or top ten wrestlers, top five wrestlers who never got the respect they deserved, and we're also going to do the top five, top six fan bases. If you guys have an opinion, please let us know. You follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm pretty sure Tim is going to put the commercial in after I talk. <laughs> so, on um, behalf of Nicole, who's half asleep, and Tiff on Alexis, thank you so much for listening to Down for the Count. And we will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye. Send us
2: money. <laughs> you
0: know, ladies and gents, I'm really enjoying this Black History bonus episode. And as an African American woman myself, I can. Honestly say that I truly appreciate every one of the people that we've highlighted, including those who didn't get the chance to have their shine and those who we haven't talked about and probably won't get to but are there and we know that they've contributed. I appreciate every single one of you guys for allowing some of my faves to be able to exist because you endured some of the pain and the struggle for them. And that I can respect and will always have love for. So this episode is over. I am done. We are finished. Finito. Okay. <laughs> if you want to follow us on social media, please do. You can follow us on Instagram at down for the count nineteen. Actually, that's the Twitter <laughs> at D four tc underscore podcast that's the Instagram make sure you follow us on those social medias if you want to contact us to be a part of our episodes to be a guest sure we'd love to have you we always like bouncing ideas and everything off of other people it always makes the episodes more fun if you want to be a part of the episode please sure to be sure to contact us you can contact us via Instagram or Twitter or you can contact us here we also have voice messages here on Anchor and if you're just going to send us a message and comment on our episode please do we will include you in our upload so i'll see you guys in our next one bye